Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Kevin. And this is Pastor Interference, Episode 2. And before we get started, we just wanted to kind of let anyone know who's watching or listening, especially our Christ Community Church family, but anyone else too, about the awesome uh, worship service we had yesterday. Why why don't you talk a little bit about that beautiful service? Well, I think pretty much everything that we emphasized, even in a series that we did by live stream, Mm was on display uh, with, you have any familiarity with Christ Community Church, you know we emphasize expository preaching. We go through books of the Bible. We're currently in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, The pulpit is the the central focus of the Lord's Day worship, but we're also strongholders and believers in the means of grace through the sacraments. And yesterday we got to share the both sacraments of which we always do the Eucharist every Sunday, but we also as well baptized seven people. Yeah, that was good. Two two of my boys were baptized and we had some uh, sisters uh, or girls tied to your family. Yeah. And so there was, there was not only the joy of pastoring our people because, because the, you know, Kennedy Abner and, uh, and Megan Smith and Sarah Bradley, those were exciting. And then there was also the personal uh, dynamic. Of course, you've been, you know, you've been Megan's pastor for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so there was great joy. I mean, there's just great joy every, it's amazing. every which it's way. It's a great day. And yeah. in light of everything that everybody's been having to experience, we're certainly thankful. And in the, the, the three Sundays that we've been able to meet have been incredible. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was especially incredible because we have can come alongside and support and take uh, great joy in those who are following Jesus in their faith in the waters of baptism, and it was just a great day. Amen. All, all the way around. Yeah, yeah. And so we were so happy about that. We just wanted to talk about it a little bit more. And so, for real, now we're going to continue uh, our discussion on our uh, Christ Community Church statement of faith. So again, for our people, this is us just kind of walking through it with you guys to know where we're standing together as a church in terms of our faith, but also again, anybody who's just interested in theology or the Bible. Sure. Uh, who God is and how we talk about him and think about him. And so, Kev, why don't you read Article 2 from our Statement of Faith, and then, then we'll talk about God. All right. Article 2, God, there is but one God, the maker, preserver, and ruler of all things, having in and of himself all perfections, and being infinite in them all, and to him all creatures owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. Mm. So again, our statement of faith, like most, we, we've talked about the Westminster, looked at it here at church, the, the 1689, a lot of statements of faith, even old, the Apostles' Creed, as old as the Apostles' Creed, really, most of them will begin with Scripture, those statements of faith, and then you move right to God. And even the Apostles' Creed begins, we right. believe in God the Father Almighty, and so after we talk about God's word, how he's revealed himself, the next logical place we have to go to is who God is. We must start with, with God. For sure. And obviously the, the, the scripture of what described to us who God is and how God can be known. And there's probably no better place for us to start, actually, when you think about it, that our God is one. Yeah. And... Um, you know, there's always, uh, at least in my mind, always a bit of uh, 
you know, you kind of want to be careful in terms of describing God, uh, but uh, just because we don't want to misspeak at all, and and yet it's important for us to come with uh, to come to understand terms and and even I like the statement of faith the way it's the way it's stated here, and I think uh, Alex, I think I think in one of the sermons. That and it may have been when you did, I don't remember. It could have been the Trinity, but one of the statements that you made in there that stuck with me was, and, and it's a term I like to use in explaining God, even in gospel conversations, that God is other. Mm-hmm. And it could maybe it even stems from our Wednesday night men's Bible discussion, right? Where God is God and Creator and everything else is creation yeah or creature right and so i think that works well at least in my mind as a beginning place that god is one he is and and in that regard god has no competitor mm. i think because i think That's sometimes good. even christians can mix up well you know is is satan winning and yeah. all this kind of stuff we we really shrink i think who god is and i think the statement lets us know clearly that our God's one and he is distinct in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. The term, uh, you know, that we would use uh, academically would be monotheism, obviously okay. from the Greek monos, which means only or one and uh, theos theology. That's the Greek word theos for God. So one God or only God. And man, you're so right, especially within, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's like, if it's if it's just etched into the history of the West, that 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 dualism you talked about between like God and God versus the devil. Yeah, I don't know if that comes from people originally misunderstanding the Bible, where like you know there's a text like Jesus in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and and even though Jesus is not uh, uh, presented by any of the gospel writers as equal to Satan, there's a feel of kind of like a duel there, like Satan's trying to come for him. I, I don't know if, if that can confuses people or if like the whole medieval Dante's Inferno, you know, writings, those right. kind of, but, but you're right. People do fall into that almost like there's an equal fight going on. And what you're saying is it's nowhere near equal. Satan is creature. Right. He's been created, but that false dualism exists in a lot of Christianity. I like the statement because again, in defining this one God, um, it it goes back to the beginning that that God is maker. Yeah. The the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. Yeah. And, and no matter what conversation you are in with, with however people view the beginning in terms of time frame or whatever else, right. we know that what's distinctly being said is that God is maker, creator of all. Right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's and right. then the, the unfolding of that. And so, in, in, you know, one of the things that my mind goes to when you're thinking of God as one is it goes back there. It goes back to that beginning place that he's our maker, he's our creator. And, uh, and of course, from that, I think the, the other things flow, preserver and ruler right. of all things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think those, those work well. Since he is the creator, he is the one that preserves, and he certainly 
is sovereign or ruler over all things and uh, having in and of himself all perfections. It's just, it's a well uh, stated uh, article. Yeah. And, 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 you know, succinct, tight there, because there's a lot you can be said about God and yeah. his perfections and all of those things. Yeah. I think uh, one point maybe that would be some interesting discussion for some people, and I lo- I'm with you. I love the way the statement says this, but the last part is interesting. To him, all creatures owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. Mm. I think that's right. But what could be some maybe some healthy discussion? I think a lot of people, whether they uh, even even maybe people in our church, you know, if we're not careful, without being thoughtful, but just kind of default, might think, well, Christians owe God uh, love, reverence, and obedience, and but people who don't you know, even though they would want them to be saved, they might necessarily not think that, that an unbeliever owes God, right. you know, because they don't believe. But of course, we, we understand that they do because God is creator. All creatures owe him worship and obedience and reverence. And so let, 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 let me ask you this question. Have you ever, when you've, when say you've been in an evangelistic conversation, have you ever talked about to an unbeliever, have you ever taken the, the avenue of their responsibility as a creature, as someone who was created by uh-huh. God? Have you ever, has that ever been an appeal you've used? Um, I'm sitting here thinking, trying to recollect this maybe a specific conversation. And I, I can't say that I necessarily uh, have, at least I can recollect right now. I'm not now. sure I have either. But when you were just reading that and like, who, who, and to him, all creatures owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. For whatever reason, Revelation 4.11 comes to mind. We were created to worship this yeah. God. Yeah. And, it, and it really flows to make, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's important that things make sense because he created us. Right. That really every creature on the earth, and, and certainly those created in his image, do owe uh, this one God our highest love. Uh, reverence and obedience that that makes perfect sense to me but i don't know that i can't say that it always like jumps forward yeah to christ and the things that pertain to it you certainly right. go back to the fall right but it always jumps kind of maybe a little bit more distinctly into the trinity right and maybe, I, right and maybe maybe that could stem from you know perhaps somebody's uh um educational or higher intellect background Mm. they may they may would run that route yeah everybody kind of relates christianity right through the lens specifically of jesus but of course we emphasize all three in the roles right which Uh, actually will be the next article right it's because because really two and three are articles that have to go together because we are not merely monotheists we're trinitarian but so which makes us unique no question right no of of any religion ever in history of the world yeah i you're either pluralistic right or monotheistic right right and so you're going to have christians jews and muslims historically would fall under monotheism we would be the only trinitarian uh and that's where um you know we can't even we, you, you can't honestly say that Christians, Jews, and Muslims worship the same God, even though they would all have some kind of Old Testament derivative 
through Abraham, mm. they don't they don't recognize Trinity, and so they're they're not worshiping. Right. Who I were think, worshiping? Well, that's good because I think you'll you in having conversations with people, some of the discussions will come up from someone who who isn't a follower of Christ is that everybody's worshiping the same God. Right. But really with what you just said, it's, it's not true. Right. Um, God's uh, specified in a specific way. And it begins with us that, that our God is one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking too, when you were reading about that lessons about how we owe him the highest love, reverence and obedience uh, in your homily yesterday, when you were talking about sin, missing the mark of the bullseye. Right. And, and that's what we're doing when we sin. It, it happens in different ways, but most ultimately we're not giving the highest love, reverence, and obedience. Mm -hmm. It's one of those, it's, it's something in that line when, whether it's through active disobedience, whether it's through not rightly revering God or loving him with all of our hearts, whatever it is, that's where we're missing the mark. Mm -hmm. That's what happened with Adam and Romans five twelve. the whole world For because sure. of Adam. And so uh, who God is and what we owe to him, uh, that really is the beginning place. And of course, we know Jesus is the only answer to that. And so we don't stay in Article 2. We will move forward. But, but there is beginning here. Absolutely. You know, we, we got to start with God. Yeah. And, and happy to know that the Bible gives us the starting point. Yeah. Certainly, God uh, doesn't have to explain himself. There are things that he does explain to himself about himself, but he does tell us that he is, he is. Yeah. And I think in that regard, because we are his creation, we, we should uh, and do give him our highest love, reverence, and obedience. Let me ask you this, Alex, looking at the statement, it says, having in and of himself all perfections and infinite in them all, what does this, what does this speak to to you? So uh, when, we, when we think about God's attributes, um, uh, you know, Karl Barth said, really, you could, you could put all of God's attributes under two headings, holiness and love. And some people have talked about um, his communicable attributes, things that we, part of being an image bearer means that we are like him in that and his incommunicable attributes. I think for Bart, that would be holiness would be the things we can't do and, and love would be the things we can. But if you think about love, mercy, uh, kindness, these, these are traits that God is, right? So it's not like, oh, there's this, there's this random thing that called love and God has this thing called love. No, God is love. Right. And because of who he is now, when we love, um, we're, we're mirroring him. And so he's completely perfect uh, in, in all of them, mm. in, in holiness, sovereignty, love, uh, uh, you know, all, all of it, grace, mercy, kindness, um, omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence, all these kinds of things. Uh, and, and so any, any uh, attribute or emotion or service that we can perform for each other or in the church are imaging what what he himself actually is it's intrinsic to him mm -hmm. uh and then he has aspects that we would right right absolutely yeah uh, omnipresence yeah sovereignty omnipotence yeah these kinds of things no question i mean Except holiness yeah like, like you've i mean you even mentioned you know we talked about in peter peter calls us to be holy 
we strive for holiness, but we can't genuinely be holy. And in the way you described it as other, because that's what holiness at its very core is, is something that is set apart. It's, it stands against. And so God is holy in that he is other than everything. We can mirror that in that, you know, when we're distinct from the world in, in marriage or in confession of faith or in whatever, but God himself is the only one who can be, you know, purely holy, right? right? Ultimately holy. And, you know, what, what I, what I think of along with this, if our God wasn't perfect and infinite, well, then he certainly wouldn't be God. Mm. Those are the things that make him God. Right. That the Bible tells us who he is. He is perfect and he is infinite. Yeah. And obviously infinite, even, you know, I go back to when I was a kid, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. You know, God always was. Yeah. And, uh, and the Bible is clear to tell us that, that he's eternal. Um, and we only go back like as where the, the book of redemption picks up through creation. Uh, Bible doesn't tell us how long before that God created, but we know he was, and he was infinite and he's always been perfect. And of course, in the terms of being infinite, he'll be eternal in the future. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the, even the details of that, cause it's like you said, it's mind boggling and you know, it's you're past us. Yeah. It's, it's way past us. Part of those questions in terms of, you know, cause people will have thoughts and these are fair thoughts as a, as a human being. Well, what is, what has God done for all of eternity and if, yeah. if, if before creation and the Trinity actually does answer a lot of that, at least in my mind that for God to be eternal means the father, son, and Holy spirit have been together. Right eternally and and we'll talk about that the, next time right, but, next but time. that's the part of that is the, the love and community that god himself is you know that it's not like some one guy sitting up up there by himself right, you right, know right for all right. eternity that and, and, it, and it is like you said we'll, we'll get into the distinctions of that along with the trinity and other things said about the persons but again i, I go back he's he's perfect uh, certainly our God is sinless and he always has been and he's perfect in every aspect and infinite in all of his being. Yeah. That's what makes God, God. Yeah. And we're not God. And there's an element to, to me that brings it, you know, a, a, a lot of comfort. Our God wasn't created. Mm. He always has been of himself. Right. Uh, you know, People have different visions of who they perceive to be powerful. You know, Superman had kryptonite right. <laughs> kind of things. Right. Everybody had superhero has their own things and watching all the Marvel movies yeah, and all of that. No doubt. But our God, you know, again, he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. There's, yeah. there's, uh, and self-sustaining. Yeah. Right. That's a huge you know, part of that. It's, it's huge. And, and, as you just, this is why we think it's, I, I would say it's wise to think about this because I give, that gives me a lot of comfort mm. and a lot of security and a lot of assurance. And there's so much of the world that we lived in, pandemic or not, that is unsure. Right. And if you're really honest and looking at things that are unstable, this is why it's good for us to consider and to think about things of God yeah. and certainly derive them from his word. But 
Uh, and certainly, um, was it Genesis, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 4 or 6, the Lord our God is one. Yeah, yeah, the Shema. And they end up, you know, just describing, again, I think a lot of this that's being described here in the article. article yeah, too. man, and too, it's like you said, it, you know, even like with COVID, it's just more accentuated. But even the world in general, you know, stability, the most powerful people in the world are found out just to be people, you know, whether it's through sin or whether it's through sickness or death or anything. And there's, and everybody wants to have something to trust in, right? That's why I think what you said yesterday, again, reiterated about uh, knowledge, assent, and trust that connects with people because this is why people get so uh, consumed with political movements or political leaders. They want something to back. They want yeah. something, but it, it's, it, none of it, has the weight that God does, you know, that, that the, in the, in the Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's just utter weakness. Like mm -hmm. you said, other, the, that Hebrew word for God's glory, that his kavod, it means his weight, his heaviness, that, that if, if, if two things are colliding, one of them's not going to move and yeah. it's God. He is the weightiest. He's the most substantial yeah. uh, being entity however you could describe that. And so, you know, uh, we sang yesterday on Christ, the solid rock, I stand all other ground is sinking sand. God is, if anything's staying put, it's God. Yeah. And, and just listening to you, Alex, again, makes me think of, you know, the, the world's view is that man has his own answers. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, how unstable does that feel? There, there, there feels no sure footing in that, but man, it, it makes a lot of, again, as I think about it, good footing. The Lord, our God is one maker, preserver, ruler of all things, uh, is perfect and infinite. And because of that, I think, you know, we think about, uh, and we can talk about how we do owe him our highest love and reverence and obedience. Yeah. Yeah, as as a, it's like I said before. I think, um, we man, again, I'm not trying to say anybody's like thoughtfully thinking this kind of thing, but it's easy in a pluralistic society to fall into the trap of thinking, well, uh, uh, the Ten Commandments, God's law, whatever, Christian ethics are are required of us, of course, but other people don't believe it, so so it's not really expected of them when really got now god's greatest the, the greatest obedience we're called to from god especially in light of the fall is to trust in his son jesus mm -hmm. but but by virtue of being creatures we owe him obedience yes. uh, uh i mean adam and eve owed him obedience when there was no need for faith in the promise the promise hadn't right. come yet because they're sin and they still so part of being human is owing god obedience and, and they did for a time yeah yeah certainly certainly we don't know how long but no. it wasn't it didn't seem to clearly be clearly the there day. was a good relationship yeah yeah and so uh that's why I, I think of you know when uh when you i think one time when you preached from um when it was paul was talking to was paul was talking to um uh agrippa he's talking to one of the kings and he said he was talking about 
sin and judgment and righteousness. And righteousness. Yeah, and so persuade me to be a Christian. Yeah, and yeah. so it seemed like again we don't know all the details there, but he was using something of right. that to to even evangelistically speak to our uh, call as humans, our responsibility. For sure, you know. For sure. Well, I I yeah, we got that covered. I think so. I mean, I think so. I think obviously. Uh, what will flow from that is, is next week when we get into the Trinity, but I think that was a, a right starting point and a good starting point to get us Sweet. To get us going. Article two on God. Okay, speaking of things that are not like other things, we are going to talk here about the last dance this is our second sports topic here, that 10-part uh, ESPN documentary that ran, and most specifically about Michael Jordan. Uh, who who was unlike anyone else on the basketball uh, court, obviously. And so I did watch The Last Dance, but I'm these, this is going to be more directed towards uh, Pastor Kevin, who lived through it as an NBA fan, yes. was at the Palace, uh, or I, maybe even the Silverdome, I guess, before that for some of the Detroit-Chicago um, battles. Palace was where I first saw him. Okay. You saw him live. First time you saw him live first, was at the yeah. Palace. Okay. So, so let me just, let's start it this way. Go, because you watched The Last Dance too, yes. right? Okay, go back to, to living it. What, as a, you were a Pistons fan, you know, yes. your, your bad boys beat him up for a while, but obviously everyone knew Michael Jordan was changing the league. He was changing the world's view of basketball. And so what, take, take it back to what you thought at okay. that time, how you watched Jordan. Okay, so, so to begin with, my Jordan era for me personally begins before the Bulls. Okay. Because I played in that NAI basketball uh, till uh, 83. I graduated okay. in 84. It was when he was at North Carolina. Okay. And I went to a Bible college in Missouri where uh, had 2,500 students and being centrally located, um, there were a number of people from different parts of the country. And so I was introduced as, as someone who loved basketball to Michael Jordan. Here's what a lot of people may not understand. Michael's uh, uh, image, and not just his image, his basketball ability began to explode. Um, it, it, a lot of people may know, you know, that he was, he was cut from varsity in high school and didn't make it. Um, I think it was his sophomore year. And so it, he only played his junior and senior year, and which would be crazy when you think about yeah. Michael Jordan <laughs> now for most part. No and doubt. I mean, you really have, do you ever remember watching Michael? Well, see, here's the thing. I, I was, when I was a kid, Michael Jordan was the culture. So it's, you can remember a pre-Jordan yeah. NBA. For me, my earliest NBA memories are, Michael Jordan. I mean, dude, I, you know, and I was a kid. Yeah. So really for me, it was like the Space Jam guy right. really plays <laughs> basketball. Yeah, yeah that's good. So, like so. That. so, so anyways, you go back to North Carolina and I remember watching him on a Saturday being at a house with other uh, guys. I think we were at uh, one of the Dean's homes who was into basketball. He, the guy was from North Carolina. So he was a huge North Carolina uh -huh. fan. Nice. And I remember him like thunder dunking. <laughs> And like, wow, you know, who is this guy? And there was a lot of thought back back then. First of all, 
Michael was not known to have a great perimeter jump shot. And it was always kind of stated that Dean Smith kept the reins on Michael Jordan. Now, Michael ultimately plays through his junior year, but they win the national championship his freshman year on a right. jump shot. And so from early on, when, when this guy was, was told of things he couldn't do, he always had this driven attitude because he did love the game to prove people wrong. Um, so it, it, going from college then, it moved. And I remember uh, the, the big draft was going to be, is it Sam Bowie out of Kentucky who had had foot problems? Or, you know, where would Michael Jordan fit in? And obviously, Portland, Portland to this day rues the day <laughs> of letting Michael yeah. go. And, and, and Michael even had this tremendous athletic ability. And, of course, many have seen Last Dance. Right. It, begins, it begins to explode. And he begins to get, continue to get better as the years go on. And, you know, for me, certainly he is the, the, the greatest player for sure I ever saw. And I think he's the best player ever. Um, his career as an NBA player is messed up because he went through true retirements. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that he would have won at least eight in a row, if not more, had he continued on. And there are a lot of integral parts that the last dance showed, Alex, that I wouldn't pay attention to because here's the weird thing about Michael. I love basketball. And Michael had a weird effect on me because I love basketball and I loved Michael Jordan and I hated Michael Jordan <laughs> because I love the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. And the, and the Pistons really held him at bay. And of course we won two titles and a lot of people didn't think we would win the second titles, thought the Bulls should win us. But of course we beat them in the seven game series. And I was at game seven of that. So part of my experience was there were, there was three other friends there, we bought, a full season packet package of two seats and it was divided up. So, you know, there's 42 home games. It went 10, 10, 10, you know, and, and we divided those up Two two guys had 11, but then we rotated the playoff games. And so I saw Piston playoff games and NBA final games, not, not all of them, but I saw some of them. And uh, to see Michael Jordan, I'm, I'm, you were just mesmerized by him. I mean, I'd get there early whenever we were going to – I had the tickets to the Bulls game, and I would get there early enough just to watch him move and the way he carried himself um, in warm-ups. And there's no doubt in my mind that what adds to his, um, uh, uh, you know, his persona and who he is, his image, I guess, um, was he – and it, it kind of fits with the last dance – was the blowing up of the, how the NBA brought pop culture to regular society. And I would say this, Magic and Bird changed the NBA, caused it to survive. Mm. Uh, they were about to take it off TV, and it blew it up. But then Michael Jordan, and I still think the 80s and 90s to this day, were the best basketball I ever witnessed ever. And, and I'm, not a, I'm not that LeBron hater. I, I like LeBron. And I like Kevin Durant. And I like a lot of these guys. I still like watching the game. And I do watch both the college game and uh, the pro game. And I'm glad that, you know, fortunately, hopefully they're going to be back here so that there will be another another title. Ooh. 
But um, Michael Jordan, and pro probably if there's only any argument against that, and basketball is difficult, you know, whenever you're making any kind of comparisons, not only to era, there's different positions. But right. I still think Michael Jordan overall was the best player I've ever seen. And if, if they were all in their prime and I was picking, he's, he's he'd be my pick first. So is it, is that a, now, is the, in your opinion, is that a fair debate? Or is it basketball blasphemy to even suggest that anyone other than Michael? Is yes, I, I want to say it's blasphemy. Okay. But, but I, I have to be honest. LeBron's putting together numbers that are going that, that to fight against that. It's, it, and again, it's difficult to compare eras. And, and I, will, I will say this. Michael and LeBron aren't the same players. Mm. Their games would actually tremendously complement each other. Um, Michael is a two guard that could play a one and a three. LeBron is the size of a four. You know, he's 6'9, 265, right. and has been that since he was 18. It's yeah. ridiculous. But uh, I'll say this I don't, think, I don't think LeBron is an alpha dog in the nature of, of Michael. And I think you see a lot of that come out, even though, you know, let's be honest. He was. They made sure they ran through things, not to show him in a bad light. No doubt. And but as a player, you know, he just he he never got beat. And there, were, you know, uh, uh, I argue because my son Zach and Luke think LeBron's the greatest player ever. But they watched all that series. We, we me and the four boys, we watched or three boys, we watched all that series together. That was interesting. And I will say this: both Zach and Luke had a different respect coming out of it. Yeah. They had no idea. Because they're even younger than me. Yeah. So they would have been further. Yeah. Even and, further and again, on. you know, you, you can't, you can't, I can't, I can't set aside the fact that culture blew his image up too. Yeah. He couldn't, the dude couldn't go anywhere. They right. were, he was a rock star. And then they were like a rock star band. The second go round, the trio that had Rodman and right. Rodman has his own, you know, <laughs> personality and, yeah, and greatness and, and Pippen's a great player too, um, and but I can't. I got to throw this in there. I, I have to say to this day, um, and this is not about Jordan, but it's the Jordan era. Isaiah Thomas of the Detroit Pistons is as disrespected a superstar as I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And granted, I, you know, I'm just a fan. I don't know what all he did right. behind the scenes, but whatever he did. He made enough people mad at him, not only players, but owners, because Bill Davidson even disowned him, who owned right. the Pistons. And, and, and he was a lock to become, you know, a, a probably what eventually would have been a majority owner of the Pistons. So whatever Isaiah did, but I'm telling you as a player, what Isaiah did as a basketball player for this town and the Piston organization is underappreciated by people here, and there was absolutely nothing that guy can't couldn't do on, on the floor. Nothing, and he played in that era. Yeah, you know, he played in that era. So, yeah, hoops. Well, let let me ask you a like a sports psychology question because you've played. We talk hoop. You've played. You've coached. You've aded. Whatever your boys have played. Okay, so we uh, maybe maybe like maybe you already knew this, but for those of us who were young and we're seeing Michael, like you said, you see your boys, we're seeing Michael in a little different light. Um, Michael clearly had the final say on the cut of the documentary, 
And like you said, they didn't put him in a bad light, but uh, they did also didn't make him um, always look like rainbows and butterflies no. either. I mean, he was hard on people. Yeah. Uh, he, he was arrogant, obviously. I mean, no one's, no one's volunteering Michael Jordan for the elder board. No. Okay. Was, we know no. that. But uh, on the flip side, also, some might argue, well, that's why they were so great. And that's why they won, won so much. And he pushed them. Where are you, as someone who's played, coached, AD'd, all of it, Mike, was Michael right? Was Michael too much of a bully? Right. Where are right. you at? Well, this is, boy, this is tough. This is not easy. But I, let me start by answering this this way. I don't want to be the old guy who doesn't appreciate the younger generation. Mm. I don't. I don't want to be that guy. And that's why I can honestly say I love Jordan, think he's the greatest ever, and still appreciate the current current days um basketball is in a different spot both the psychology and the rules and again i'll attribute the uh, at least in part what was the what was the turn for the nba were the pistons because they weren't the only physical bad boy style team they just uh perfected it and and used it on jordan to win two titles. But if you look at old tapes of the NBA, Kurt Rambis of the, of the Lakers and a lot of, they, they physically would Moses Malone of the Sixers, they would beat each other. The NBA was more physical. Mm. I mean, Michael Jordan averaged 30 points a game over 30 points a game. I think like 31 for a career in, a, in an area where you could, you could hand check and you could beat people up. I'm telling you, I have no reservation what to, what whatsoever to say. He'd average forty in this era, because if you you have this one, we could stop it. Yeah. And and all great players, you can't stop. Um, but I think part of the criticism that maybe old guys give to young guys today that they don't compete because they're friends is a little overstated. Because I think LeBron's a great competitor, mm. and. Um, uh, certainly in, in, in Michael's era and that earlier era, you were perceived as a greater compare, uh, era. If you were, a, you know, if you were a jerk <laughs> and he is portrayed yeah. as a jerk and it, it gets to him there a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, and I don't think you have to do that. I think the culture has changed and as yeah. it has in many ways. And, um, um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, like if, I was, if I was having a starting five, LeBron's in it. Le, LeBron's already in it. And, Bron, you know, LeBron, as much as older guys criticize him, he's never had something you, you could really blame him on. Right. You know, stuff outside of basketball and some of the things, you know, you may not, you may, and I don't agree with a lot of his opinions. Sure. But, man, if you, you're just being – uh, uh, you're just not being honest if you're not giving that guy his due. Right. And he has had a sustained career that's going to put up some crazy numbers um, and, and substantial in, in a lot of different ways. But I, would I will tell you this. Again, if I'm in a tight game and ga NBA games are won in the last four minutes, man, I'm, I'm just telling you, you don't, you don't want anybody more than Jordan. Jordan just refused to get beat. Mm. And, and again, it's a team game. Right. And that's another kind of difficult thing that you got to 
lay things too, and there's all kinds of arguments. Trust me, I've heard them all on I'm the sure. bronze side I'm from sure. the boys. I'm sure. And, and it gets uh, loud mm. in, the, in our household, but still. There's passion. And no question. And, and still to this day, I, he's still the best player that I've ever seen. Could it change? I don't – it's how you going to do that. I mean, he hurt his career, granted, by, by retiring. Um, nobody could beat him. And, and man, you're, 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 there's a lot of great players, I mean, in that era. Uh, yeah. You know, the, 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 the first original dream team, I think on that, t- that roster is like 12 Hall of Famers. First ballot. Ten of them are first ballot, I think, or more. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of great basketball back then. I mean, you got to. I say that as one who appreciates the current right. uh, uh, day and, and, and value it. At least in that era, man, like there, you know, the, the Houston teams won, obviously, when Michael was out. But had there been no Michael, you got to think Barkley would have got one, Ewing would have got one at least uh, uh, the Utah boys, the guys in Utah would have got at least one. I mean, there's a lot of great players that just, it was during Michael. So, you know, yeah. And the truth is if Michael doesn't come along, who knows how long the Pistons were. Yeah. Uh, They, and then they get kind of broke up by the rule change. Right. So their style was definitely impacted. And I, you know, that anybody who's uh, even if you're not a Detroiter, if you're being honest, you have to say it. The game changed. And the, I get it. The NBA needed it to change because a more physical game is going to be less scoring. People are attraction, attracted yeah. to a more wide open floor. And, and right. there is. I mean, I, there's a lot of the elements of today's game I enjoy. Um, but I think there's, you know, I love especially when Golden State does a lot of their, uh, even before Durant. Well, there's a lot of ball movement and, and what, you know, ball movement uh, enjoys the game. Isolation's not, you know, like Harden. I have a great appreciation for Harden. He's awesome. But if you're on Harden's team, I guarantee you there's some guys that are really, I mean, they never see the ball. He's jacking it up 50 times a game. Right. And it's <laughs> a little, it's a little less, uh, uh, he didn't play nice in the sandbox, undoubtedly when he was a kid, because he uh, always yeah. has to have the ball. Yeah. But, okay. What well, the one last question then. Because remember last week we talked about, okay, people love the Brady-Belichick debate. Like, could they do it without each other, yada, yada, yada. Jordan, in the last dance, does make the statement, uh, there were no championships without Scottie Pippen and without um, uh, Phil Phil Jackson. So so let me ask you just, just your opinion. You said it's a team game. Uh, How, what, like, what percentage are you saying that dynasty was Michael. How much are you saying Phil and Scotty and Rodman had big parts to play, little parts? Like what, how much credit, because he's Michael, and people usually give him all the credit. Yeah. You know, you're someone who's been in basketball a lot. Yeah. What do you think about well, that? Well, I, I think you have to start, you have to say, but he lived it. So, you know, I'm going I'm gonna to be honest, I have to listen to that maybe a little more than I would. I don't see them winning ever without Michael Mm. Um, because Pippen was a complimentary his game's complimentary style Mm. and he does a lot of things well his game is more comparative in my mind to LeBron's than Michael's Mm. Uh, they're they're different style games but you know and I want to give Phil his his credit 
the difference between basketball and football, there's so, I mean, there's three teams in football and there's 11 people on the field. And, and so a, a coach has a lot more, you know, you can win. You still need great coaches. You always need great coaching and they were on their way. Um, but I think Phil has a wonderful personality. Yeah. That guys were attracted to, namely Jordan. Yeah. And he had a way of, along with Jordan, to harness even like in the second trio with, with Rodman and all his craziness going to Vegas and all that. So I still think <laughs> Jordan is it. Yeah. And, um, you know, the bottom line at the end of the day, you've got to have great players. Right. Um, you know, it, it, you can sit here all day long and say Belichick would have won six, but we don't know. We do, what we do know is he won six because Brady was the quarterback. Right. And at the end of the day, no matter how well a coach coaches, players got to play. Yeah. And every professional sport, the, the players are, are the focus, right. you know, and, you know, it, to me, it's sad. And I guess Cross has got to be, Jerry Cross has got to be uh, credited in some ways, but man, he, he, he hatcheted that thing up along with the owner. How do you do that to that group of people? They should have been, they were making them so much money and they're not, they're always going to have that money anyway. Right. How do they not nurture that? Yeah. To let it go as long as they could. And um, they broke it up too quick. Yeah. They really did. They broke it up too quick. Yeah. Men, men and, and power and money. And yeah. it always, it always is a. It's unfortunate. Man, it's it's interesting. So interesting talking about Phil Jackson. We might have to do an episode on Phil Jackson we at might. some point because not only is he a basketball guru. I mean, b- between the Bulls dynasties and the Laker dynasties, there's a lot there sports wise. But also, you know, uh, and w- again, we need to do an episode because Phil is into this Eastern religion stuff. Yeah. But he grew up in some real extreme, like dispensational, and his mom was legalistic. A, yeah, and so. That would be a fascinating weird, uh, sports weird. slash theology yeah, episode on Phil. Boys got rolling around. <laughs> There's a lot going on with yeah. Phil, and so uh, man. So if you if you haven't checked out the Last Dance, check it out. If you're a basketball fan, you probably already have. But uh, there's a there's yeah. infinite amount of things we can talk about. We just wanted to scratch the surface, kind of wet the beak a little bit. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I guess for this episode, we there's a, there's a there's a flag on the play. Okay. And the the call is pastor interference. And so uh, until next time, we'll see y'all. We'll be back to talk about the Trinity and some other uh, sports stuff uh, next time. See you guys.